With the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we talk about the 8-Man game week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined, as always, by the coach, Lane Kirkland, over in Cary. What's going on, coach? Hey, just hanging out and enjoyed watching that first round. Lots of exciting things going on there. Yes, and now we prepare for the final four on both sides, 1A D1 and 1A D2. Uh, no Will Haneke tonight. He's got a kiddo preparing for the theater. Coach Kirkland, school musical coming up, so we, we get that dad duties, right? Yeah, he's a, what a balanced life, Will. Good job. <laughs> That's Super right. Dad. Super dad for sure. So we brought on a guest to pinch hit and it's another coach. Uh Uh-oh, I'm outnumbered two to one on coaches. We'd like to welcome in the head coach of the Mullen St. Regis Tigers, Stetson Spooner. What's going on, Coach Spooner? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Not much. We're super excited to have you on, Coach Spooner. So uh, I'm outnumbered two to one on coaches, but I'm tired of uh, coach and – Will always outnumbering me two to one South versus North Idaho coach Spooner. So I'm glad we got two North guys finally running the show here. Yeah. Nice. There's, there's not much of us, not, not, not many of us hanging around. There's a bunch of new guys up here. So (laughs) that's right. I'll try to hold my own. We'll see what happens. (laughs) I think you'll do just fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll do just fine, Coach Kirkland. I think you've proven that over the years. So uh, apologies for my voice as well. I'm in the middle of a sickness and uh, my voice is like right at right at the edge of the cliff here. So I'm going to let you two do most of the heavy lifting tonight. But Coach Spooner, I think we've got to start with the game your team played last uh, Saturday in the 1-8-D2 quarterfinals, if only because it's at the very top of the bracket. So we'll just start at the top of the bracket and work our way down. You guys welcomed in Hagerman, a very tough Pirates team that took second place uh, in District 4 this season. And you guys traded blows there on, on the first couple of possessions, but ultimately Hagerman... Big, strong, physical, wears you down. The Pirates win 54 to 12 over York Tigers. What what did you, what was the message to your guys after that game concluded? Uh, You know, uh, the message to our guys was probably um, things that Coach Kirkland has echoed before um, that that almost every coach does. You know, tell them to, uh, a, a loss always, it always hurts. But, with an eight and one, an eight and two season, a, a district title, uh, big wins along the way, and 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 a, hosting a playoff game in these small communities means so much. Uh, especially with our unique situation, it means so much to two communities. Um, you know, just remind them that there's a ton to there's a ton to celebrate. And yes, losing that game it it sucks. There's no two ways about it. You always want to go on. Um, but yeah, just just kind of remind them to embrace that the celebratory things that happen throughout the long journey. That's a tough season and injuries and high and low emotions. Um, great support. And um, you celebrate all those types of things. Um, and, and our guys kind of embrace that. I think they, I think they got the message loud and clear. And we always say, you know, holding up that blue trophy at the end, that's, that's the ultimate goal, but there's a whole, it's a whole slew of goals that you hit on the way. Um, some unknowingly, we had our last practice last night, uh, turning in gear, that kind of stuff. Montana guys headed over and um, just kind of went through and got to shine some light on with all of our injuries. And, and it started at Montana Tech Camp, the injuries last June. And the guys that stepped up and and with the guys this program's lost and um, still being able to take care of business up here undefeated in District 1 was, was a thing that people thought might not be as easy to do, and it wasn't. Um, but just to kind of re- remind our guys that that nothing's given to you because you've won District One a few times in a row. You you guys went out, you earned it all. You you other guys that had to step up and fill in for some pretty big shoes in some different positions, you did it, and you gave us a shot and gave us something to celebrate. So, 
Yeah, Coach Kirkland, uh, Stetson brings up a good point there about, you know, the ultimate goal, of course, is is having the blue trophy and hanging up that championship banner. But there are a lot of other goals uh, that you achieve along the way, and it's important to focus on those as well. Yeah, there's a lot of great things to, uh, to learn from a loss, even though it is hard and difficult for yourself with all the effort you put into it and hard for your your athletes and your players and uh, in your community, but uh, you you have made some uh, great accomplishments along the way, and those must be recognized. And you have to acknowledge those to the kids. And you know, life's not always fair, and and uh, and it's not you don't always win in everything, and that's okay. It makes you a stronger person and helps you to recover. You know, uh, congratulations, Coach Spooner, on another great season. Um, just before he went on here, I was I was going over your record the last five or six years, and you're always there. Your kids are always there, and that's the mark of a great program is, is getting as far as you can possibly go and finishing as, as strong as you can and then uh, acknowledging that and then and moving on to the next year. But uh, anyway, nice job. Thanks, man. Thank you. Man, that's high praise coming from a great coach like Coach Kirkland, Coach Spooner. It's like uh, I know. Hero Day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I said that same stuff to me in the mirror, but it means more coming from a state champ guy. So. <laughs> I just I just went back as well on huddle today and watched our game that we had uh, quite a few years ago and, and he called a good game. I mean, you had us in check a, a long time and uh, you know that's good coaching. So, yeah, so when did you. you when did you guys meet head to head? What year was that? Twenty one. I think it was twenty one. Twenty one fall fall of twenty one. Yeah, we we headed down to Cary and um, we brought a couple ball brothers and a handful of Trogdens and, and uh, went down to butt heads with the perk perks, Perkis, the quarterback. Yeah. He was quarterback. Uh, and, and the, the running back uh, Simpson, my goodness. And then a couple D linemen were animals. The Larna kid was a v- absolute tackling vacuum. That was Co- coach Kirkland's team back in 21. That kind of, was the first time coach Jesse Allen and I looked at each other and kind of went winning an eight man state title takes way more than eight men. Uh, it, it, the, how deep coach Kirkland's team was, how well coached, how disciplined for even guys that came in, they were switching it up um, to, to be able to trust a group of bigs up front to come in and maybe open up different holes for a Connor Simpson. Uh, that's a luxury that not every eight man team gets. And, that really opened that up to us. And uh, we started to kind of explore that this year with that next man up mentality, you know, don't just focus on those star eight because they're the ones that get you ahead. I get it. Those handful star players, they're scoring left and right. And they're, they're making all the plays, but we really took that on after that game actually against coach Kirkland was uh, we got to, we got to rotate guys in and let them know that we trust them and give the opportunity to make plays so when they are called upon, it's not the first time they have to do it because you could tell with those carry teams, um, definitely with the Kendrick team right now, um, even with Hagerman, that rotate some guys in and kids came in and sat tight and wanted to wanted to seize their opportunity to make a big play. Um, we saw that with Garden Valley last year. You know, they took that Jaden Hunt kid off the field and we went, oh, thank goodness. And then the next kid came in and made three tackles in a row too. So um, it, it just – that that carry team was the first that really showed us you got to be deep, you have to be disciplined, and it takes a, a bigger village than eight for sure to get that that final job done. Yeah, uh, you never know when you're going to have five uh, key players missing with injury uh, like your your Mullen St. Regis team did on Saturday. So yeah, Hagerman gets the the fifty four to twelve win. Kai Kendall was the Idaho Sports.com player of the game. He had 155 yards, four touchdowns rushing, 53 yards, and a touchdown receiving. Martin Gonzalez rushes for 181 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, Coach, your your team scored on big plays. Uh, About a 77-yard kick return for a touchdown by Kofi Apia, and then the 70-yard touchdown pass from Connor Lewis to Hunter Stola. And then otherwise, I mean, it was a rainy, muddy mess. Uh, and every time I felt so bad for John Pruitt, I was like, somebody get this yeah. kid a new pair of cleats because he had so many plays where he would make a catch out of the backfield and slip and fall right away and only get a yard or two. It seemed like Hagerman had the better footing, um, but it was just a downpour that entire game. Yeah, it was pretty rough. And it, it, it might be because John Pruitt was, trying to do too much. He's, he's our 
fixer of all things broken. That kid's an all-state talent freak show athlete. Um, the things he did this year for us and, and it, oh, his whole high school career for us. Um, being a kid that actually likes basketball so much more than football, he's a pretty dang good football player and a big, strong body, and he plays mean. And um, we called on John to do a lot, and they they sure had his number. I think it was one of those games where it was weirdly similar but different for for the Hagerman coaching staff as well for, as well for us. Um, you know, how, who can we take away? Who can we take away from their team and maybe make them beat us with someone else? Well, Martinez had five touchdowns on the ground the week before for Mackey against Mackey. And so we said, I think that's who it was that had five. And so I looked at uh, Coach Allen and I talked and we said, well, let's try to limit his scoring. 181 yards we didn't limit very well, but one touchdown, I guess, kind of a little silver lining moral victory for us. But when you got a guy like the Kendall kid that can go off for four or five touchdowns of his own, you, you try to take something away and say, if they can beat us with something else, they deserve it. I feel like they did that with with Pruitt. They they really tried to limit him and take him out of the game, and and we uh, unfortunately didn't have enough answers at the other spots. Although some of those those guys that I was talking about, they did step up and make a couple plays that that definitely helped us trade some haymakers early, but we just couldn't sustain it. Yep, for sure, Co- uh, Coach Kirkland. I wanted to ask you about this because Kerry, of course all the success they've had in football. They're also kind of a, a basketball power. They've made it to state like what 26 of the last 27 years or something crazy. I know you've probably had players over the years that like basketball more than football. How do, how do you tap into those guys and, and get them to, to appreciate the game of football? Um, you you got to keep them focused all the way through the end. Um, if they pick up a round ball before the season's over, um, we're going to hear about it. They, they, they know that. And uh <laughs> They help keep each other focused. Um, the, the team leaders do, but they they're 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 playmakers, and you got to have them on your team. And uh, they still buy into it, the, the football scene and do well. Uh, you got to have them. Those those guys are athletes. Yeah, and of course, D- Dick Simpson, the longtime basketball coach there, Kerry. Did, did does he ever come up to you and go, "What the heck did you do to these guys? I've got three guys that I'm counting on that are nicked up or not quite ready to go." I asked him if he'd uh, got his whistle uh, washed up the other day and uh, ready for practice. He'll get a get him a week earlier this year. Yeah, a little earlier than everyone's used to in carry uh, for sure. So, yes, yeah, so Hagerman moves on to the semifinals, and they're going to play. You talked about it, Coach Spooner. Uh, they're going to play this juggernaut from Kendrick. Kendrick beats Dietrich 90 to nothing last Friday at the Kibbe Dome in Moscow. I was there for that game. I looked up in the – I felt like the game had been going for two hours and I looked and there was like 10 minutes left in the second quarter and it was 78 to nothing already. And Kendrick ran 15 plays in that first half and scored on eight of those 15 plays, Coach Spooner. I mean, this is a high churning Kendrick machine. What makes them so difficult? Well, it's funny you say that. Uh, Coach Hobart and I, we talk a couple times throughout the season. Um, and, you know, in just talking to him kind of here and there, He's pretty convinced, and this takes a lot, I think, for Coach Hobart to say, and I think it's a testament to his coaching. Um, you know, when you got a guy like Ty Kep, it's easy to say Ty Kep. Um, but Coach Coach Hobart looks to up front in the trenches. Um, he, he said this to me, what makes them go and what is maybe overlooked by the, by the names on all the touchdowns and the names by all the pick sixes is how good they are up front in the trenches. They – at that point of attack, they are they are less than no one. Um, they are animals up there. They have great size, tenacious players, disciplined players. They understand angles. They understand their job. They play for each other. They're an impenetrable unit up front. Whether it's a whether it's a tight set or a spread set um, on the defensive side of the ball, you have guys that just say this gap is mine and I'm gonna die with it and put it in my in my casket with me. They don't let it up to anybody. Um, and on top of that, they're really good at getting separation and just making plays. They rally to the ball. And and even if yeah. they don't, they're one of those teams that Coach Hope probably kill me if he hears me say this, but they're outstanding at tackling in space, in traffic, but they, they still do rally to the ball better than anyone. But they almost don't need to, like you could almost do a just run a giant 
five, 10 yard by 10 yard zone with eight guys and take up 80, the whole field. I mean, they could, they're really, really impressive. They're fast. They have great size and it goes deep for them. Um, they could put their twos and threes in. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of the all about the U 30 for 30 documentary when Jimmy Johnson just kind of says, Hey, I, I put my backups in. And if we still keep scoring, that's not exactly our fault. I mean, it, it's, it's a tough sell. He's, he's got such a deep talented roster that it's, and, and mixed with great coaching, um, a great atmosphere down there. Um, they obviously have a great off season program, great athletes rolling through great support. Um, and great scheme by their coaches. Um, it's a testament to the whole the whole package deal there. Co- Coach Kirkland's been a part of a very similar, more equal to teams than, as this. I mean, it, it's special when this kind of thing rolls through, I would imagine. Yeah, that's important. That's why we love bringing the context because you can just look at the score and go 90 to nothing, sure. you know, and cu- coupled with 112 to 6 two weeks before that and go, boy, right. Kendrick is just running up the score on everybody. And it's not. I mean, they literally ran 15 plays. Like, what, what right. are they supposed to do? Just like, so uh, anyone that thinks Kendrick is not displaying any good sportsmanship, you're totally wrong. They are just executing. They didn't play any of their starters in the second half. And it's just a, a thing that they've dealt with all year long. So they win 90 to nothing. I mean, we could go through all the highlights. Ty Kep fought, completes five of six passes for 188 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, had a rushing touchdown. Hunter Taylor had two catches for two touchdowns, returned a punt for six. Um, but the the guys up front, Dallas Morgan, Brock Boyer, Carson Hogan, um, really did their job. They rushed. I mean, after they scored like twice in the first quarter, they pretty much rushed two guys. And those two guys still got into the Dietrich backfield. Brock Boyer had two and a half sacks. Um, and so it was just kind of the proverbial buzzsaw um, that Dietrich yeah. ran into there. So, Coach Kirkland, what what does Hagerman have to do to to hang with Kendrick and then keep it close where they have a chance to maybe score the knockout? Um, I, I think they're going to have to make sure they, they control the ball. They, they need first downs one after another to control that clock and to uh, – to just hang on to the ball as long as they can and then, and then punch it in. Um, but uh, Kendrick is tough up front. You, we've underestimated them in the past, and they have really gotten strong and, and stout there. And getting past that front line is, is going to be difficult. This is a powerful Hagerman team, and uh, I think they, they have the ability to, uh, to perhaps run this ball. They'll have to, uh, to – to be consistent, they'll have to continue to believe and pound and pound and, and see what happens. But uh, they need to strike early and, uh, like I say, control that clock and hang on to the football because it's going to be a physical game of some big dudes up front and on both sides. Yes, that's it. I want to pick your brain on this too because you, I mean, the winner of you or Hagerman was going to play Kendrick, and I'm sure you thought in your head, okay, what would yeah. I do against Kendrick? So let's let's say you've seen Hagerman now. Let's pretend you're Coach Bill Hicks and you're you're now coaching Hagerman. What's what is your game plan going into this home semifinal game in Hagerman against Kendrick? Uh, somehow try to make the clock your ninth defender. Um, I mean, s- somehow try to limit what Ty Kep and Clemenhagen, all that you could just go through the names of these Kendrick guys that score at will. Um, if you can make the clock somehow try to benefit you and maybe keep the scoring lower, um, it, it, it can only benefit you. I, I just feel like if Kendrick's offense is on the field, it's just this year, it's one of those squads. It's probably just a bad recipe for your defense. The, the best thing you may be able to do is, is to keep their offense off the field as much as possible and and maybe make make their defenders work for it, get a little tired. Maybe that that kind of hurts the big plays on the offensive side. If if there are a lot of two-way players like most of us at eight man, you know, uh, I don't think many of us can just two platoon an eight offense and an eight defense. Um, but I think if there's some way they can slow it down, and, and I, I think uh trying to make that clock your, your best friend. And why, I mean, when the ref's hand goes up, you're starting your cadence and, and you, you, you got to get first downs. You, you said it best. You have to be able to move that ball. If, if you're stagnant, if you're three and out, definitely turnovers, you obviously have to take care of the ball. Um, but man, three and outs kill you against Kendrick. Cause they, they just make you pay when it's their turn to have the rock. They, they know what to do with it. 
Um, so if you could somehow limit that, I, I don't see it being a negative for your, for your ball club for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And Hagerman, I think, was already kind of in that mode. Uh, they they got to the line several times against Mullen St. Regis on Saturday and hard count, you know, calling that cadence, trying to get you guys offside. A couple of times they got they got dinged for the for the delay of game penalty, but I'm sure yeah. they'll have that cleaned up for Saturday. This is yeah, a they, they did oh, a well, they did a they did a good job with that. Uh, re- realistically, I mean, they maybe had two, perhaps three false starts and maybe a, a, a delay a game or two, maybe I think just one. I mean, for three or four minor mistakes there, you know, five yarders that kind of carry, and I don't think any were on, were on fourth and one at a goal line or anything real detrimental. They did, Hagerman did a really good job with that. That's a testament to their staff and their discipline for their kids. That's a, the, the, that hard count, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I played offensive line all through high school and college, and I would hate to have that. Um, and try to be disciplined in that system. It's very tough. They they did a great job on that. Yeah, and your guys did too. I mean, I think you only jumped offside once or twice, so you guys were pretty disciplined there uh, as well. Uh, a real key to this game, I think, is going to be the sophomore Alex Johnson, two-way lineman for Hagerman. He doesn't look like a sophomore, but he is, and he's a big, imposing guy. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see that matchup up front for sure. Coach Kirkland, let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, Kendrick is is – record wise and standing wise the better team yet they have to travel to Hagerman because Hagerman inherits that home field advantage for Mullen St. Regis by virtue of beating them what do you think about that they've traveled a lot already I think this year down to uh to play those other d1 schools and it's just another hour or so down the road I think they'll travel pretty well but they'll be in a different atmosphere and not on turf and it's been raining quite a bit down here uh this this weekend so field conditions could play a little bit into that, but uh, I think they've traveled pretty well and proven that all year long. Yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. This game will be Saturday, uh, I believe, at 1 o'clock. Let me double-check the kickoff time. It'll be on idahosports.com. You can tune in and and uh, catch the action there on Saturday. Our other semifinal is uh, two high-octane offenses that each scored 70 points last week, fellas. Rockland at Camas County. So Camas County beats Garden Valley 70 to 13. Tristan Smith, 154 yards, three touchdowns passing for the Mushers. Uh, Tyson Tupper runs for 101 yards and a touchdown. Emmett Palin catches four balls for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then Rockland beat Tri Valley last Saturday, 70 to 12. Teague Matthews, boy, he brought his, uh, he, he ate two uh, bowls of Wheaties last Saturday morning, 251 yards, five touchdowns rushing, 101 yards, two touchdowns passing, eight tackles on defense, eight touch, uh, yeah, eight touchdowns in total. Uh, Coach Kirkland, we've talked about Teague Matthews all year long, but I think now, you know, this is going to be a Camas County defense that's well-coached and well-prepared to stop him on, uh, he, he's option A, B, and C, uh, top priority for that Camas County defense. Yeah, I, I think he uh, is going to have to have a, another game of his life and, and hang on to uh, the football and hang on to his britches because Camus will be coming at it pretty hard uh, as he's proved all season long to be the leader on, uh, on both sides of the ball, inside, outside, throwing, running, but, uh, just a, a great all-around player. He's going to have to find some other targets, and I think they're going to have to use some other guys. But uh, they've got themselves there now to this uh, to the next level of the bracket. Uh, I talked to uh, to Kip Wilson a little bit um, through text messages uh, on the game, and of course he's he's talked going back clear to '87, last time they made it in the semifinals, and uh, that's a, you know it's a great accomplishment for those guys, and uh, I'm sure they'll be hungry and, and working hard to be able to do their best to control um, uh, and have a good game against a strong Camas team that's uh, really determined and did well against Garden Valley this past weekend again. Yeah, Rockland gets the semifinals for the first time in 36 years. We're going to party like it's 1987. I wasn't even alive in 1987, so I don't know if I want to be a part of that party, Stetson. I I was uh, I was a couple months old this time in November of 87, so... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I'm that, I'm that much older than you guys. I was a sophomore. <laughs> well, good. I have time then to try to win the things you've won still. Oh, man. <laughs> That's great. 
Yeah, you still got some miles on the road there, Coach Spooner. Uh, what, what is that like? Because you took uh, Mullen St. Regis to the semis a couple of years ago, and it had been a, not a similar drought. I mean, how long had it been since Mullen had been playing in the state semifinals when you guys? Man, I I don't remember now. I want to say it was I want to say it was two thousand three. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was um, something like that. Man, it was a lot of excitement. It's fun. I mean, I, I'm sure Rockland is is just ecstatic and, and has ample support through the roof right now. It's a lot of excitement for a community. Um, and, and for us, again, our special situation, we got double it. We got two communities. We were back and forth and people were honking and parades leaving town. And heck, there was almost parades for us to come to practice went back when that happened. People were so excited and, and you got some stud players on your team and people get behind that kind of superstar caliber type of guy. And, and Teague Matthews is that guy. Um, I have never seen him with my own eyes, but I've seen a lot of film. That guy is a different breed. How big is he? What he looks, is he six, four, like six, five. Okay. Six. Okay. He's what he looks like. He's, he's at times, man. He is a man amongst boys. I mean, things he can do. I thought he was legit real deal. And then um, I think it was one of our players, or maybe I saw somewhere something come across for a, a legitimate visit to the Utah Utes, and I'm going, okay, this guy's real deal. That's not a that's not a generic. You have a good GPA, come visit there. That's a that's that's a pretty huge huge honor to go down to a program like that and and be taken serious. And as he should, at least from what I've seen on film, he is the real deal. He's got the size. Speed, tons of talent. I'm sure he's an intelligent, well-coached kid and coachable guy and probably has great character in class and leadership, which is really awesome for Rockland. Type, types of guys like that probably don't come through every two years or so, maybe every 30. So <laughs> That's right, uh, 1987. Uh, the last time I saw Teague Matthews play with my own eyes, he was a sophomore wide receiver and just a matchup nightmare uh, when he was playing. And then I watched yeah. him. I watched him play basketball. I saw him elevate for a one-handed dunk. I've seen him high jump in, in track, and he is just a physical specimen for sure. On the other side, though, Coach uh, Kirkland is this Camas County team that we've kind of been saying all year. Okay, you know, it looks like it's probably going to be Kendrick and Camus on this collision course. What do the mushers have to do to get to the championship game? They're in the semis for the first time since 2004, so they're in, you know, breaking quite a lengthy semi-final drought as well they are yeah and uh, i think this community has been excited about this group of senior boys for a long time um, they had a, a, an amazing junior high season and they've uh, continued to elevate their game throughout their high school uh, career and now here they are seniors 12 or however many of them there are and all worked very hard for this goal to uh, to be a tremendous and outstanding state contender um, at this time of year. I know uh, there was at least a dozen of those guys that chose not to come out for track and field and hit the weight room instead and get themselves ripped and physical and ready to uh, to prove themselves a, a contender um, down at this particular level. And uh, they've, they've certainly done that so far this season. I think they still need to remain very hungry and very focused as uh, I think they will be and know that uh, you, you can't take this next game lightly in Rockland and just can go forward and and uh, have a great game plan, execute, and just fight like crazy because, uh, you know, getting through the semis is, uh, is one thing, and it's a great accomplishment. I mean, you feel satisfied having uh, won, through, won a semifinal game. It's a massive accomplishment because you made your goal. You got to the championship game, and now it's time to prove yourself. But uh, the hungriest teams win in, in the semifinals, and Camels will have to stay pretty darn hungry. Yeah, and you just know Camas County, you know, they've got to get past this game, of course, but they would love to get another shot at Kendrick after they had to play Kendrick very early last year in the quarterfinals, and Kendrick shut him out uh, 46 to nothing a season ago. And recent history suggests, Stetson, that that Camas County is the favorite here. I mean, they played Rockland in the season opener and won 62 to 12. When you've already played a team, uh, earlier in the season, how much adjusting and scheming can you do to change the outcome of the game? Man, that's that's a it's kind of a tough question. It's kind of not for us up here. We play everybody twice anyway, um, as far as league opponents. Um, right. But man, I, I 
I don't think the Camas County coaching staff is sad that they've seen Teague once. Um, I mean, having any information like for me, it would be a nightmare. Only have seeing seeing him on film, seeing someone on film, and it can sometimes play a trick on your eyes. And and uh, you hear how good one player is, you may overlook the other players and go, "Well, let's let's scheme for this guy because these guys clearly aren't this guy." Well, th- if somebody's not quite Teague Matthews, they're potentially still a really good football player. Um, so for them have to, to have played them once, got the feel for the things he's capable of, um, I, I don't think that's going to hurt Camas County. Um, they have some really impressive athletes uh, on their side of the ball as well. I've seen some film on Camas, and I will say about Camas up front, they are no slouch up front, and there is not a lot of trickery. Um Everybody knows I'm a down block, pull and pin type of guy, usually because we're just undersized and that kind of stuff. Maybe you have somebody fast, but 160-pound O-linemen usually aren't who you exactly would recruit if we could. Um, but I think that Camus has, from watching film, they just kind of line up and and the guy in front of them goes for a ride. They, they, uh, they, can, they can move people and they can do it well. They use angles well. They're quick. They're strong. Like Coach Kirkland said, you can tell maybe a handful of uh, a core group of those guys went into a weight room and they they kind of took their naps there and ate dinner there and slept there and did their thing. And that's that's pretty important. And I think Camus is potentially pretty overlooked up front. They're they're really good too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's let's give a shout out to some of the guys that don't always get the accolades here. You know, for Rockland, somebody's got to catch those passes that Teague Matthews is throwing, and their two leading receivers this year are Abe Held and then Aiden Radford. Aiden Radford's got 810 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's big impressive. league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is impressive. And also, they've got a freshman, Zach Perman. You guys are shocked to hear a Perman playing for Rockland, right? That's like a Simpson at Carey. Uh, another yeah. <laughs> yep. He's a freshman. He's got He's 250. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Zach Perman has been a great receiver. Cody Woodworth uh, has been a great receiver. And then they've got two guys that run the ball besides Teague Matthews in uh, Eli Hendrickson, and then uh, they've also got a junior, uh, Ethan Crump. So there's a lot of weapons for this Rockland team on offense. And you talked about for Camas County, some of the guys that they're leaning on up front. You know, I think it starts with Zach Piddock up front, the six foot one, 170 pound senior who really holds down the yeah. point of attack. He, he's a good player. So, yeah, that's that's what makes these semifinal games so fun because we can really dissect each team, and it's not just oh yeah, Teague Matthews versus Tristan Smith. It's like no, we can go right. deep into the lineups to break these down. So yeah, should be fun. Uh, this semifinal game will be played at Gooding High School, neutral site game Friday night, seven o'clock. Also on IdahoSports.com. IdahoSports.com will be broadcasting every single semifinal matchup. Um, and for the 1A D1 games, which we're going to get to in just a second here, we'll be providing video coverage. So even better, you can check out IdahoSports.com video coverage of those 1A D1 semifinals. So let's let's get to the, the 1A D1 bracket, guys. Uh, number one, Oakley. They beat Notice 70 to 6 in the quarterfinals. They're moving on to the semis, Coach Kirkland. I didn't I didn't realize this uh, until after we had taped last week's episode, but notice was without their starting quarterback, Benny Guevara, who had gotten injured a couple of weeks prior. So notice going up against the number one team without their top QB. That was going to be a tall order for the Pirates. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a difficult circumstance there, especially towards the end of the season where Benny has carried uh, the Pirates uh, all year long and done a great job in leadership and that, that sort of thing. But uh, Oakley is well prepared, firing on all cylinders, and uh, Notice had a great season and uh, and did the best once again. And uh, like Coach Spooner said, they need to be congratulated on uh, on the things that they've done in a in a conference championship as well, and, and a, a best finish that they could against the team that's trying to go for another championship. Believe yep. it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking to hear that Oakley, you know, is in the final four once again. I mean, on the opening play of the game, Stetson, Bryce Avir takes it to the house from 85 yards out, <laughs> kind of sets the tone on offense. Yeah. They, what I've seen of Oakley and what I've heard is just a, 
an endless flow of top-notch athletes, um, great size, great athleticism. Again, uh, another powerhouse program with what one could only assume is outstanding top-tier coaching, um, off-season commitment, um, buy-in from the guys and, and support from their community. That's awesome. It's it's pretty cool. And it's cool to see some of these these other programs sort of emerge, the Hagermans and and uh, you know, Tri Valley's a, a team since I've kind of been, um, not I've, but since our program has kind of reached maybe a level of relevancy, like Coach Kirkland said, we kind of been there. Tri Valley's a team I haven't heard much of, it. and to see them to see them come out and 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 get Garden Valley, who I know is a good team, who beat our butts here last year. So uh, yeah, that's that's cool too. But man, those 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 programs that are always there, you you could probably try to find a flaw with them and maybe one exists, but it's probably very minor. And all you can do is, is give them their props and say, great job. And, and kind of use them as, as, uh, as pillars to strive for really. I mean, since we played a, a coach Kirkland led carry team, we've used that as an example. Um, since we played Zane Hobart's Kendrick team back in 19 in the playoffs up here in a very similar rainstorm as last Saturday, we, we use those programs in, in our coaching to say, Hey, it is hard out here and it's cold and it's windy. And this is hard. What do you think these teams are doing? Um, and, and our guys seem to, it's, it's becoming more, they're understanding it more. The more we lose to programs like these, uh, they're kind of looking going, yeah, man, they've got a little something extra. And, and I think Oakley is definitely, um, they've done their job proving that that something extra is something that they always possess. Yeah, the, the District 3 teams kind of get a bad rap always. But yeah, Tri-Valley, Garden Valley, and Notice, the three teams that were still competing uh, from District 3 this weekend all did a great job for Oakley. Kyler Robinson throws four touchdown passes. Bryce Severe runs for three scores. Uh, Oakley, you know, rocks and rolls. Uh, we, you know, we've been talking about history and trends, and, you know, Oakley hasn't been to the semis since last year, so there's not much history to talk about there. <laughs> but... Um, at the start of the season, uh, their coach, Brennan Jones, uh, sent me some pretty interesting info, guys, and I thought I would share it here on, on the PrepCast this week. Um, Oakley's first football game in school history was 100 years ago this wow. year, 1923. How wow. about it, Coach Kirkland? Wow, that's, that's pretty good history right there. Pretty good. Yeah, one of the members of the team, uh, David B. Haight, um, wrote a wrote a speech that he delivered and he talked about he, he was part of that first game. And so uh, Coach Jones uh, gave me the excerpt of his speech. And here's what he said. I grew up in a small country town in Idaho. Football came to our school later than most. It was 1923. We had neither equipment nor a coach. But the great day arrived when our high school principal was able to buy 12 inexpensive football outfits but not football shoes with cleats. We used our basketball shoes. Our chemistry teacher was recruited to be our coach because he had once witnessed a real game. He taught us a few simple plays and how to tackle, and then we were ready to play, or so we thought. We set off for our first game with Twin Falls, the previous year's Idaho State champions. We dressed and went out on the field to warm up. Their school band started to play. They had more students in the band than we had in our entire high school. <laughs> and then through the gates came their team. They kept coming and coming, all 39 of them, fully equipped and shoes with cleats. The 12 of us, a team full of 11 plus one all-around substitute, watched in amazement. The game was most interesting. To say it was a learning experience is rather mild. After just two plays, we had no desire to have the ball. So we kicked it and they scored. Whenever they got the ball, they would run a baffling play and score. Our goal was to get rid of the ball. It was less punishing. In the final minutes of the game, they became a little reckless, and a wild pass fell into the arms of Clifford Lee, who was playing halfback with me. He was startled, not knowing for sure what to do. That is, until he saw them thundering after him. Then he knew what to do, and boy, was he fast. But he wasn't running for points. He was running for his life. Clifford made a touchdown. Six points went up on the scoreboard. The final score, 106 to six. We really, we really didn't deserve the six points, but with our bloody shirts and socks and cuts and bruises, we took them anyway. A learning experience, of course. An individual or a team must be prepared. Success or achievement depends upon preparation. What an excerpt, huh, Coach Kirkland? Wow. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I actually heard him give that uh, talk um, that he delivered there, and I, I actually met uh, David B. Haight when I was coaching in Oakley. And uh, what a great tradition that they have! They have a lot of tradition in Oakley, and uh, those those guys in the '70s and '80s are there, and it was a lot of fun to hear them talk. It's the same names as have been there forever. To a lot of great tradition, and now they're playing eight-man ball and competing and, and winning championships. So that's a great, great, great historical mark right there. Yeah, what'd you think of that story, Coach Spooner? That was pretty cool. That that was uh, it. It kind of shocked me when eleven with the one substitute. I went, oh yeah, they weren't playing eight-man then. Um, that's that's pretty wild. Here we are. We need a co-op because we got ten. There'd be a that coach would have been pumped to have one more have two on the sidelines so uh you know times change but you know that that's football that's awesome um that's a group of young men coming together with a common goal and without that group taking that hundred point punishment uh who knows maybe oakley's championships and it feels like they've been in the semifinals every year since 1923 anyway so um but who knows? Maybe their their rich history, their rich rich recent history, and their state titles and success. Maybe it all goes back that that whole way back to that first team in nineteen twenty three. Who are we to say it didn't? So that that's pretty cool to know that football's kind of always been the same, however you slice it, from a hundred years ago to yesterday. It's kind of the same deal. Yeah, it is the lifeblood of our eight-man communities, and that's why we love doing this show. So, Oakley is going to get ready to play Grace. Wow. Hey, Grizzly Nation, I got to come wear it. I said, Kamii all the way last week. Coach Kirkland, we were talking about the weather forecast, and it just dumped rain in Kamii all week last week. And we said, oh, man, that could be tough for Grace. And uh, Jody, who's who's a big Grace supporter and, and loves giving us a hard time, he goes, yeah, good thing Grace doesn't know what it's like to play in rain. <laughs> We've never encountered that. What's this mysterious rain? Uh, Grace had no problems, coach. They went up there and won 20 to nothing. They shut out the Cubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I picked Kamii as well. But, uh, Grace was on a mission. And uh, they, I guess they get rain in Grace too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, prepared already on the road and, uh, and showed up uh, strong in that first half. Um, scoring those first 20 points and then hanging on to the end with the, with the same names that uh, 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 Mr. Draper doing an excellent job at quarterback, stepping in that position not too many games ago, leading that team. And uh, what a great move and uh, opening up another avenue for uh, some a better player, perhaps in space than he may have been. So great moves towards the end of the season there and uh, Grace coming up with the victory. Yeah, Coach, I know you had talked to uh, to Coach Draper from Grace uh, a couple of weeks ago before the playoffs started. Was was Gavin playing at a different position and they just made the switch? Was he coming back from an injury? Do you know? Um, I didn't get a chance to ask him about that, but he was pretty proud that his son was in that spot now and and moving forward. So I'm not quite sure on the story there. Yeah, and I, and I don't live in East Idaho anymore, so it's been hard for me to follow Grace from all the way up north here. But we're, we're excited to have them. Grace, I love to be wrong, and congratulations. That's a well-earned, hard road trip north to Kamii to get that 20 to nothing win. Braden Kimball, uh, former quarterback, rushes for 41 yards and two touchdowns. Wyatt Cutler had 86 yards rushing as well. Gavin Draper throws 144 yards and a touchdown to Brennan Sorensen. So now it's Grace and Oakley, uh, Coach Spooner, and these teams seem to match up pretty well. They're both pretty physical on defense. Um, they both like to run the ball first and then sprinkle in a couple of passes here and there. Uh, somebody's got to beat Oakley at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. Grace has the tools to do it. They've they've been a they've been a role model team since the beginning of the year. Um, as far as any rankings and coaches speaking highly of them, um, that's been since the start. Um, that I can remember this year, Grace has been right in there. And and I think Grace has some hidden toughness. I, as a track coach, I also see uh, for the last couple of years, a young man from Kamii by the name of Porter Whipple. And for for Kamii to be scoreless, um, you know, I'm sure some mistakes were made and, and that's football, that happens. Um, but I've seen Porter Whipple and I <laughs> coaching against him would probably pose uh, some pretty massive hurdles and, and kudos to Grace for, for neutralizing what I can only imagine is a team full of great athletes, um, which means they have some they have some toughness and, and a great coaching staff and 
and some scheme that's probably put in place to attempt to slow Oakley down. Um, I would say the biggest thing Oakley has at this point in this game would be experience um, in this situation. And, and most recently, you know, they, they've won state titles. They're on a run. They, it, it's tough not to give them an upper hand based off that. Um, and, and just as grace will have a scheme that's drawn up to try to slow them down, you know, Oakley, they seem to draw up a great scheme to slow others down while making themselves speed up. And and that's a, that's kind of a thing you're seeing down again with Kendrick and not only can they scheme to slow you down, but boy, their scheme seems to make them really take off and, and fire off. Um, and, and I think Oakley, Oakley looks to be kind of one of those ball clubs um, with, with a lot of weapons at their disposal that they know how to use. Yeah, Coach, last year, uh, Coach Kirkland, these teams met in the championship, right? Grace and Oakley. It was kind of old hat for Oakley. It was kind of a new thing for Grace, and maybe eyes were a little wider than on the Oakley sideline, and they hung tough for a half last year in that championship. Yeah. And then in the third quarter, uh, Bryce Sevier, uh, I think it was Bryce Sevier, somebody returned the second half kickoff for a touchdown and really got the momentum going. Uh, Oakley won that championship last year, 58 to 20. These yeah. are two teams you've seen up close and personal coach Kirkland uh, in your coaching career. And now also in your media career, you've seen these teams up close. Um, give us the tail of the tape. Where do you think this game is won or lost? Um, I, I, once again, semifinals, I believe are, are coming down to turnovers and time of possession and what you do with the ball, getting those first downs and, and converting your extra points. But uh, it also comes down, like I always say, to how, who wants it the most, how hungry you are. And uh, I think Grace has uh, put themselves in a good position, fought hard to get uh, to where they are. Their defense is uh, sometimes uh, mysterious. You underestimate it when you watch it on film and you go, we can run this, we can run that. And you can't. They they figure out a way to stop it. They got a good staff that uh, that schemes very well and understands what you're going to do and, and reads it. And so you, you got to be Oakley's got to be aware of that. But uh, I think uh, Oakley has some some upper hand here. There's some hunger that's still left in them and a desire. And uh, it, it is going to going to be a good ball game in Oakley. And uh, we'll we'll see who wants it the most. Really, we'll call it that. For sure. Uh, Grace has the best defense of the four teams that are left in terms of points per game allowed. They're only allowing 15.9 points per game. And I know that's something that coach James Newby really prides himself on. You want to know how I know guys, because when we get the roster for Grace, uh, usually the positions are listed offense first, right? Oh, this kid's a wide receiver slash DB. No, no, no. At Grace, the defensive position is listed first. He's a DB slash wide receiver. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Never seen that. That's cool. Yeah, I hadn't either until until I got the one from Grace. Um, and, and of course, Coach Newby is a great wrestling uh, coach there at Grace High School as well. They've got all the weights listed, but none of the heights. <laughs> none of that basketball stuff, just the wrestling <laughs> stuff, the weights. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, all right, Coach, uh, Coach Kirkland, tell me, Grace will win if, complete the sentence. If they cause turnovers and convert. Okay. Let's I go. like it. Okay. I, I This is the game I'm most excited about of any of the final four matchups, I think, is Oakley and Grace. Um, our other semifinal at the bottom half of the bracket will feature Butte County and Logos, two and a three, north versus east. Butte County beats Valley last week 52 to 20. Brody Westergaard rushes for 171 yards, two touchdowns. Also caught a touchdown from Keaton Archibald. Uh, Archibald, the quarterback, rushed for 154 yards and four touchdowns as well. And how about this defensive uh, standout, Braxton Gamut? 15 tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery. 15 tackles on defense, Coach Spooner. That's doing some work. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, it I kind of sound like a broken record with District 4 teams, both at the 1A D2 and 1A D1 next year's 1A and 2A levels is athletes. I mean, I've seen film on Butte County a couple of years ago. We were trying to find a game and we contemplated trying to meet up with them for a, I don't know if it was the COVID year or what it was, but both of us had an opening and we were talking about a game. And I think they were a really good team back then that we thought 
you know, that's going to push us and, and even a loss would teach us a lot about ourselves and we could use it as a coachable, coachable opportunity. They've just gotten better since then. Butte County's a really, really impressive football team. Um, and on the other side of that is Logos, which is a really wild looking um, offensive team. Really fun to watch. Super outside of the box. Um, and if anything, it makes scheming for them in one week a giant task. And maybe maybe defensively you lose yourself as a head coach at, at one of these smaller schools trying so hard, or you lose yourself offensively, trying so hard to make something schematically on defense that makes sense, um, that covers your your P's and Q's, because Logos comes at you with some some wild stuff, and they're kind of a another one of those northern teams of destiny right now that seems to, everything's kind of fallen in line for them. They're really fun to watch. They're explosive. Their quarterback is extremely cerebral, um, very disciplined, reads quick, um, I think does a great job pre-snap understanding where he's most likely going to go. Um, I think he's just able to see stuff at a, at a really fast rate. I think this could be a, a really unique football game. Um, yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Logos beat Murtaugh last week, 60 to 26 in the Kibbe Dome. This was a game that I was at. Um, mm-hmm. First playoff game in school history. First playoff win in school history. Only the third year of varsity football for Logos. Uh, Jack Driscoll, quarterback, uh, 530 yards passing, seven touchdowns, 107 yards, two touchdowns rushing, nine touchdowns in total, over 600 yards of total offense. Uh, we were doing the post game show, Coach Kirkland. And I'm adding up his totals, and I'm like, over 500 yards? That, that can't be right. Let me add it up again. Sure enough, it was, uh, and it, it was really impressive. When you have a field general like that, I mean, any play in the playbook is at your disposal. That's uh, that's a lot of yards. That's amazing. And the completion ratio is amazing. The quarterback rating must have been somewhere near like 2,000 or something. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's very efficient and very effective with the football and uh, and getting it done with that uh, particular scheme. Uh, I'm excited to see this game. I'm going over Friday night to watch, to uh, to see what adjustments uh, Coach Thorngren will make against that uh, that offense. I, I've talked with him a little bit this week, and he's he's uh, understands the scheme, offensive scheme they bring is a little bit different and difficult. But I think Coach Thorngren is a perfect guy to try and figure something out to go against that. And we'll see what he pulls out of his pocket to uh, to try and counter that uh, that new stuff that uh, has kind of been introduced to the league in in eight man football. But uh, Logos seems to be a powerful team and on a roll right now, um, so it should be really interesting and a lot of fun to to bring both of those teams together. Yeah, Coach Spooner, I'm sure you've seen a lot of Logos on film. Lakeside played them uh, earlier this year. I, I've tried to explain a couple of times here on the PrepCast this Logos offense, but maybe you can put it into better words than I do. Um, it, it it plays on a scheme of, of trying to make defenses figure out something quick. Um, if, if I was a defensive coach looking at it, I, I would feel under the gun to look at who's eligible, who's where, every play, understand space. Are you going to play, you know, a softer kind of shell two over the top of it and trust athletes to to limit other athletes in space? Um, it, I think it, it at times can make a consistent pass rush very difficult um, without just completely at times accidentally wasting a defensive player in the pass rush system, maybe if that makes any sense, I feel like there'll be a couple times where you, th- you think, Oh man, that, that guy didn't need to do that. He would have been better fit here. Um, but I, I think if any team has athletes, um, I mean, there's a couple teams out there, Grace and Oakley are no slouches. Um, but I think if uh, Butte County has the athletes to try to limit or match the space that Logos attempts to play in. Um, I think Logos just keeps keeps kind of poking a needle till they see a soft spot, and and Driscoll's so good and efficient at capitalizing on even the smallest but beneficial window that helps their offense succeed. and And any yards are good yards, is what I can tell from Driscoll. He he's a positive play guy, um, and that it's pretty impressive. It it's fast, it's quick, it's unique. It makes 
like I said, defensive coaches, I think just because it changes a little bit, they don't, they don't reinvent their wild shaped wheel anyway of an offense, every play, but there's little wrinkles they do where this guy's on, this guy's off. It's still all spread out. It's, it, it's wild. I think as a defensive coach, you have to really um, be able to react quickly to those small wrinkles that can change just between first and third down there. Yeah. So that what they do is they, they go four wide and they are like all the way to the boundaries, right? Yep. They're, they're all the way up to the sidelines and then they have the center and two guards that are typically off the line of scrimmage. Correct. Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, the two slot receivers will be on the line of scrimmage and what they will do is they will shift. Sometimes it's both slot guys go up, both guards go up. Sometimes it's only one. But what that does is there's some tricky stuff where sometimes the guards are eligible to go uh, deep on pass plays. And that bit Murtaugh a couple of times where the guard went right down the middle and nobody covered him and big catch reception. So you have to constantly be thinking. It's like it's like baseball. You always have to be thinking in the back of my mind. Okay, if they do this, where am I going? What's my responsibility? It is it is a lot to prepare for in a short week. And also, I mean the coaching staff at Logos is, is fantastic. Um, Nick Holloway, the head coach does a great job. Uh, they've got JC Christensen as an assistant who, who played the game of football for a long time and uh, has coached for a really long time. And then Skylar Craycraft is an assistant coach as well. His brother is river Craycraft, wide receiver for the Miami dolphins. He actually came back a couple of weeks ago. And so these guys got to practice with an NFL player, coach Kirkland. Wow. I mean, you, you can't, you can't simulate that type of experience. <laughs> That's a pretty super motivation right there. And a <laughs> privilege to be able to say so. Oh, that, that's uh, that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, the first thing I haven't seen Logos's offense, but, but the first thing that came to my mind is uh, how would, I would defend that. And I'm not a defensive coach, but I I would I would say just drop in the cover four the whole game and spy Driscoll like crazy and see what happens. But uh, uh, it's going to be a hostile environment rolling in. To Arco, Idaho, uh, those pirates and the mission that they're on, and uh, I, it's just going to be be fun to watch. So I'm going to be on the sidelines. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun matchup for sure. The one AD one games both are going to be outstanding, and both of them can be watched on IdahoSports.com uh, Friday evening. It's going to be a really uh, fun time for sure. Um, okay, let's get official championship predictions here. Uh, I'll go first, guys. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get the hard stuff out of the way first. Uh, for 1A D1, I will say Oakley versus Butte County. 1A D2, I will go Kendrick versus Camas County. All chalk, very boring, I know. Coach Kirkland, what do you got? I second the motion. <laughs> Straight across. Straight across. Stetson? I, I'm gonna go almost the same, but I, I think Logos poses problems to people. I, I think their offensive coaching staff thinks as quickly as you have to defensively to stop them. And I'm gonna go with Logos with an upset. I'm gonna go Logos versus Oakley in the state title, and I'm gonna go probably Kendrick Camus. I, I think that uh, I think those two have kind of been on a on separate ends of the train tracks headed there, headed each other's way this entire year is what it's just kind of felt like. So in a way, selfishly, I kind of want to see, I want to see those trains collide. That'd be a good one. <laughs> For sure. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, making it to the final four is no small feat. So congratulations to the eight, eight man teams that are still up and fighting this weekend. Uh, is that right? Eight teams left or is it four? Yeah, four times two is eight. Yeah. Okay, that's a, I'm a I'm not a math major, guys. So that's <laughs> oh man, it's we gonna be a great weekend. What's we that? Only go by, we only go by sixes and twos. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was my problem. Fours, you know, who's who's counting by fours? No, nobody here. Um, all right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to the Idaho Eight Man Prep Cast. Coach Stetson Spooner of the Mullen St. Regis Tigers. Thank you so much for pinch hitting this week. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Um, hey, huge shout out to you guys at Idaho Sports, Coach Kirkland, uh, um, Skaggs, the whole crew, Heineke. You you guys, I know there's more I'm missing, but you get there's a slew of you guys, and I I just put on Facebook yesterday. I I don't comment much on super public stuff, but um, I did. I wrote you guys what you do for high school student athletes in the state of Idaho is unmatched by anybody trying to 
to follow your guys' shoes. You guys do a great job, um, and I think you're you're extremely beneficial for what it is that all of us coaches try to do and what these kids try to do. The exposure, the positive feedback, the honest, um, the honest takes, and and kind of the historical facts that you throw out. It's cool. The communities, I think are jumping on board with Idaho sports pretty fast if they haven't already. And to those of you people out there listening, give them a like, give them a share, give them a follow. They're, they're worth it. You guys are part of my lay in bed, trying to fall asleep between huddle film and watching what you guys have going on is kind of my routine. So I, I appreciate you guys. And thanks. Stetson's, job, Stetson's ang- angling for a job in our PR department. <laughs> Hey, he's a pro to me. Nice job. Every, everything's for sale for the right price. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, uh, we, we appreciate the kind words, of course, and that's why we do it, is to shine the spotlight on these uh, young men and women uh, in our communities that are being great role models, great student athletes, and just great people in general. So, yes, um, thank you for the kind words, Stetson. We appreciate it. Coach Kirkland, have fun Friday night in Arco. Bring, bring a jacket. Might be chilly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. And I have the week off. There's no games up in North Idaho. So I'm going to sit back and just watch and listen to everything and hopefully rest up. Hopefully my uh, my voice is back at 100% by the time we do the championship edition of the eight-man prep cast. So it's going to be a good time. All right. Well, for Coach Lane Kirkland and for Coach Stetson Spooner, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the eight-man prep cast, everybody. Enjoy the semifinals. We'll see you back here for championship week next time on IdahoSports.com.